iPhone, the S9, and all those. Everyone's relying on AI now to make your pictures better. Yeah, that's what I. That's I, that. That's like the big thing about the Google Pixel phones too, yep, right? It's yep. like it has a pretty great camera when it comes to hardware, but what really sets it apart is apparently the software. Basically, we're just saying, hey, machines, make our pictures prettier and study us for our downfall. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> you could probably sit back a little bit. Oh sure. You're, you got a straight shot into the mic, and you don't have a quiet. So our yes, like you got really. A great voice oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's no, good. It's good. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, our <laughs> actory friends, we've noticed, all get really quiet for some reason, and then oh like the less actory friends are like totally easy to hear and edit. And I'm like, what? I just don't this know is pretty what good. This is, but you like I it? Love it? It's very good. Yeah, yeah I'm enjoying this. This nice. is a cool hand cuke. Cool hand cuke. Yeah, yeah I definitely. Yeah, I get the cucumber. I definitely do. It's like. It's got a little fruit, but it's it's citrusy, but kind of a nice bitterness to it, so it's not really sweet. It's a I after the debacle of poor Robert's five hundred percent alcohol drink that I made <laughs> us that none of us finished. That's I wanted to go safe. Uh, yeah, so this is vodka, aperol, because I'm still on an aperol mm-hmm. kick, but mm-hmm. a very small amount of aperol. A muddled cucumber. I made honey simple syrup oh. with with uh, honey in the raw. Wow. And fresh squeezed lime juice. So honey simple syrup, is that like honey with sugar and water? Yes. Okay. It's, it's one-to-one. It called for, like, it's a one-to-one ratio of honey, but, like, honey in the raw is so expensive. I'm like, I can't. Honey and ja- Yeah, I know. There's <laughs> I like can't the... justify, like, four tablespoons is, the, is like $8 worth of honey. So yeah. I was like, I cut it with some, some fancy Turbido uh, sugar, sugar. raw sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's I'm like, like I, I go for the cute little bear in the oh, bottle yeah, honey yeah, yeah. that's, like, super cheap. And then, you know, if I'm doing something fancy, like a fancy drink, or if I'm having some of my expensive loose-leaf tea, then I'll do, like, right, right. the, the sure. better honey that you want for it, but... Yeah, honey's expensive. <laughs> it, makes, it makes you live forever. And it lasts <laughs> forever. Apparently. That's what I heard, too. It's the one food that never, ever spoils. If it's, if it's like, sealed, then, yeah, like, they found honey in the Egyptian pharaoh's tombs that was still edible. That's crazy to me. <laughs> you seen this stuff about the, the Chinese honey that they... The, China keeps trying to get to sell honey to us, and they keep... But it's not really honey. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise So it's like I'm this war of escalation. Made in China. Um, they keep... How about this fake honey? To, how about this fake yeah, honey? Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Because they, um, we come up with tests to test... Purity? Yeah, purity of the honey. So they come up with, the, with these honey purity tests, I guess, <laughs> to determine, you know, is this real honey or is this like this, this sugary concoction that they're trying to pass off? Huh. And it's always and, a sugary concoction yeah, that they're so trying to pass like off. Yeah, so for a while... Um, the, the whoever does this, like customs agents or inspectors or whatever, are able to figure it out. All right, this isn't honey. But then the the Chinese get better at it. We've got to find a different they, way to hide this. Yeah, they, they figure out how to beat the tests, and it's like this kind of escalation thing. This is ridiculous. And they, it's like the radar detector, detector, detector. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, like, there's a documentary about it on Netflix of or something. There is. It's, it's ridiculous. What can't you find a documentary on, on uh, Netflix? Netflix? You know I mean? <laughs> Literally so when you, if you if you see something in a store that says contains honey or like honey flavored or what, it's probably Chinese. almost certainly not honey. Right. Well, yeah. I that's something I never knew. I guess all honeys were made equal, but they're really not. Yeah. No, because China. Because so, China. And there was a thing I heard too about them where they take their shrimp. I also saw this on a Netflix documentary, but they take their shrimp and they inject it with this gelatinous stuff to make it fatter uh, and, okay. and to make it way more. So when they sense. send it over, you don't really know it has the gelatinous stuff, but then you cook it and you're like, well, my shrimp just, just cooked to nothing. Just cooked to nothing. And that's probably why, because you're eating the weird wow. Chinese gelatinous stuff. So That's why I stick with Wegmans, raw, fresh caught shrimp, not made in China. Yeah. It's... And locally sourced honey. 
from like a farmer's market or something. Yeah, that's the safest way to do it. Hi, we are Buddies <laughs> in Space. You are? That's Michael Smith, and you are? And Michael Crossy. And joining us tonight is... Lloyd. <laughs> right. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Lloyd, I'm excited to be here. Martin. Martin, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, welcome. You are the first, only... At this point, uh, a co-worker from my new job who has joined the podcast. Well, let's hope this goes well so you won't be the only The last, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm blazing a trail here. Yes, yeah. Just so you know, we don't ever mention the name of our employers. Okay. Just, it makes it, it, makes it easier. Yeah, no, I feel you. you know, Anybody we'll who cares knows. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really like, yeah, you're not fooling anyone. So. Right. <laughs> How about that employer of ours, huh? You yeah. know what I mean. Oh, Everyone's I... really nice and smiley. Oh, uh, yeah. I love my job. <laughs> You keep winking a lot when you say that. No, it's a twitch I've got in my eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the twitch went away when you... Anyway, hi, so... Uh, so what do, you, what, do you, what do you do there? Yeah. Talk, tell us a little bit about that. So at our current place of employment, <laughs> I do uh, access control. So basically what that is is... Oh, oh, you stand with a staff and a long beard and someone tries to go in the door and you say, You shall not pass! <laughs> exactly, yes! yes. That's it. exactly how it works until they throw me off the bridge and I fall into the pit of fire. But <laughs> then you get stronger! <laughs> but then Level I get stronger, up. right. <laughs> exactly. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> Turns um, you into the, the, whatever the white. Lloyd the white. Yeah. <laughs> From the gray. Um, yeah, so basically I do access control there. So what that is, it's... So Mike starts his job as a certain job title, it is my responsibility to attach all of the systems mm-hmm. and computer applications that you're going to need installed on your PC and you're going to need access to, to your job title. So, Do you want a clean episode or cursing? I don't. It doesn't matter. Okay, you <laughs> fucked up your job good then. <laughs> you know what? It's still, it's still in the works. Um, no, so it's, it's the VDI shit. Is That's not me. Okay. That is that, that is driving me up a goddamn wall. That is wall. definitely not us, and it also drives me up a goddamn wall. I'm sure. I don't know who it is. isn't driving up a Pretty wall. Pretty much the entire... It's, it's, it's one of those things where like you walk into work, it's like, oh, something's broken. Is it VDI? That's the first question. Don't even <laughs> You don't even think about anything else. You just go straight to, is it VDI? Where are the VDI people? Did, did you eat beets? No. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that Portlandia sketch? Have you ever watched Portlandia? Uh, I've seen a couple of episodes, but I haven't. Uh, anyway, sorry, go on. Okay. So, <laughs> access control. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, access control. Um, so, you know. And there's a lot of systems, so. That, <sighs> I yeah. think So, I think currently right now, the number of systems that we use on a daily basis floats around 250, 300. Wow. So, yeah, it's a lot to manage. Um, so, Mike gets hired at our place of employment. It's it, I get a notification that says, hey, Mike is now this job title. So Mike will need these systems installed on his computer, and he'll need a user account and this proper access build out for these systems that he'll need to log into, web-based systems or anything we install. It's kind of funny because I, I kind of got thrown into this because mm-hmm. it's a temporary position that I've been doing for three <laughs> years, and wow. it was supposed to last only six months. <laughs> so what were you supposed to be doing after that? Um, well, that's the thing. So I... When I first started out at that job, I was kind of at a low-level entry position, okay. and the person that handles access control and the help desk stuff at the place we work um, came up to me and said, hey, you know, I heard you're good with Excel, and I heard you're good with spreadsheets, and you like computer stuff, and I have some computer <laughs> stuff and spreadsheets for you to look at. Okay, okay, so, <laughs> well, that would sound sort of asinine in most places, like, given the, the tenure and, like, tech-savvy lack of most people at our job, that does not surprise me that that was how it was pitched to you. <laughs> I've, I've had jobs like that, like when I was living on Long Island and I was doing some data entry for this, I, uh, I think it was like some warehouse place, 
I'm like, hey, you're doing computer stuff. Can you do can you do the Excels? <laughs> hey, college boy, sure. you make the yeah. tippity tap on the keyboards, right? <laughs> Throw in the formulas, make it happen. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Excels for you. Yes, yeah. all of the Excels. I'll do all the Excels. <laughs> all your Excels are belonging. Uh, go on, go on, go on. I did catch that reference. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, you know, so she mentioned to me, oh, you know, I know you're good with that kind of stuff. Would you like to maybe help me out for a few hours a week? And, you know, that was really it at first. I'm like, yeah, sure. I was only working 32 hours at the time. So, okay. Were you just doing data entry around that? No, I was uh, a teller. Oh, oh okay. So, okay, really just like, you know, very entry level. Um, it was honestly just meeting the right person at the right time and. And being able to, to, to actually do it right, yeah. <laughs> knowing so, the Excel's, yeah, yeah, all, knowing all of the Excel's. Um, so yeah, I'm, I told I told her I'd help her obviously, and it was a great opportunity for me too because those opportunities don't come too often, yeah. you know, where you go from being a teller and then you kind of have someone who's kind of like <laughs> say that times again with that. <laughs> I was waiting for you to. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm gonna keep that. I'm just gonna bleep that out. It's great because okay. now you're all embarrassed, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch it. <laughs> all right. Those opportunities don't come too often where I work, and uh, <laughs> and it was kind of I'm like, oh my gosh, this this could be this could be my path. This is literally somebody's opening a door for me. So yeah, cool. I, I jumped on the opportunity and I started or a software program. But anyway, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but um, I jumped on the opportunity and I started doing all of the Excel's, and she's said, hey, you're you're pretty great at the Excel's. Would you like to do the Excel's temporarily for you know six months? And you know the the thing was. I'd do it for six months, but it could be extended. It could not be extended. And then I might have to go back to being a teller afterwards. And oh, it wouldn't wow. necessarily be at the same branch. Oh, wow. So it was kind of a big risk. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I think this will be good for me. Okay. I'll meet people that I would have never had a chance to meet otherwise. And, you know, maybe if I... You infiltrate HQ. Exactly, right. <laughs> so I thought that was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Is there a mystique? Okay, so obviously we work at, at, for a, a, a some kind of financial institution. I'm yes. sure the <laughs> listeners can put that together. So I, I've been there a whopping three weeks. Right? So, But I, I assume, just based on like knowing how humans work somewhat... Mm-hmm. That there's probably a mystique around the HQ because, like, all the tellers barely ever get to come in. So I'm sure it seems like this ivory tower kind of thing. It, right? it really is. It's kind of like everybody's waiting for their invitation or their golden ticket. It's, like, <laughs> it's when, a chocolate factory. Yeah, when am I going to get my chance? <laughs> oh, I should have known the XLs. Right. So, I, I, like I said, I just totally got lucky and I happened to be working at HQ. And then, you know, that opportunity came up. That's so awesome. it was, I could, there's no way I could yeah. pass that up. Um, but the original. The original promise was you can do this for six months. It could be extended. And then, you know, you do it for a little bit longer. And we don't know if it'll ever be permanent. So I jumped on it. And, um, Good job, Wesley. It sounds like you've, you've made yourself indispensable. Yeah, I'd say so, so far. But it's kind of like at the point now where, I mean, you know, I've gotten past that six-month period. Then they extended it to another six months. And then so I was there for a year. And then they extended it another year. And then I was there for two years. <laughs> and they extended it. Another year, so I've been there for three years now. And are you coming up on another extension? Uh, the the other extension should be coming up at the end of this year, but I guarantee you they're gonna extend it again, unless I <laughs> unless I royally do something to fuck up my job. Coming on this podcast, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So no, unless no, unless no, I do don't. something to royally fuck up my job, I I can't see how they would continue the access control stuff without me, unless they booted me out and then hired a totally new person that doesn't know how to do it and put them in it. Then had so. you train them. Right, exactly. Like before yeah. you go back to being a teller, which would make no sense at this point. So it's not one of those things where the like your almost contract like is hanging over your head. No, okay, not really. I mean, I'm pretty much guaranteed. It's it's guaranteed that regardless of what happens, whether it gets extended or not extended, I'll continue to work at for this company. 
Um, it just depends on what position am I going to end up. But also, the good thing about doing that job is I get to work with all of the um, analysts that support the many systems that we use, mm-hmm. and they've gotten to know me too. And from from what I've heard, at least, <laughs> I don't know what they say behind my back, but <laughs> um, from what I've heard, they do like working with me. And I think if an opportunity came up, maybe in their areas that they would think about me. So even if I go back to being a teller, the experience that I've gained and the people that I've met, that's oh, yeah. totally invaluable, you know? Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I like it a lot. I do hope that this just continues indefinitely because I really like this. Um, this I, if yeah. any place was ever going to just let someone continue on indefinitely in a role for like 30 <laughs> years, it's this place. Yeah, that's why I tell my boss. I'm like, you know what? You don't even have to make me permanent. Just keep extending me until 40 years later I'm retiring from my my temporary <laughs> position. I'm okay with that. I've been a temp for 40 years and I get a pension and 401k. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Please congratulate Lloyd Martin from... <laughs> 40 years of service in this temporary position that was supposed to last six months. <laughs> you'll get on the internet, you'll get a cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sweet pension, retiree status. Mm-hmm. I, I can live with that. Well, that's cool. I mean, I don't work there, but I've heard nothing but, but great things about you. Oh, well, I, I hope so. Certainly <laughs> a, a, a very friendly, outgoing, uh, charming person from what I've... Uh, the little time I've spent with you. This is not at all how you were sold. I am so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> what? <sighs> Uh, so let's get to your, let's, uh, let's get, you know, just briefly to establishing your geek cred because you are definitely, well, he got all your base or belong to us and he recognized <laughs> yeah. Horizon without having played it. Oh, Horizon of course. So all the Final <laughs> Fantasy well. seven stuff. Also one of my favorite okay, games of all time. Final Fantasy, although it and seven, seven from Mass Effect. Come on. Okay. I know all this stuff, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I took a bunch of stuff to work. What's that from? Um. Oh, I'm oh. struggling. I am struggling a little bit. I'm. Uh... Look in the center. It's actually written in the dead center of everything. You have to look around the doors. Hmm. I don't know if I can tell. You've never watched Uh-oh. Firefly? Oh my gosh! You know what? That is. One of the things I've had on my list for so long. <laughs> we found <laughs> your hand right here. <laughs> we, we found the chink in your armor. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Firefly. I'm ashamed to say, as much as I love sci-fi stuff, I have not seen Firefly. And I've had it on my computer, ready to watch for ages, and I've never gotten to it. Well, I know what you're doing when you go home tonight. <laughs> if you know what's good for you. If I know what's good for me. <laughs> um, yeah, Firefly is one of those things I've really been meaning to to watch and wasn't there a movie they made like yeah. a, uh, so I, I've seen parts <laughs> it was a of a very good movie I've seen parts of the movie which is what got me interested in it anyways okay, yeah, and then I, I found out that it was a, a show and I'm like oh my gosh I have to watch this because the little piece of the movie I've seen was so great and I've never gotten to it do yourself a favor I own like I own it on Blu-ray or well, you already have it I do have it otherwise I was gonna lend it to you um, watch the TV show watch it how it originally aired no mm-hmm. wa- watch the order on the on the discs so hopefully you downloaded like a, a rip of the uh, I can't remember, but I'll have to go see. I mean, Look up the original air order because they air... No, not the original air order. How it's supposed to air because you're supposed to start with a two-hour pilot movie, which is really big budget and good. Mm-hmm. And then Fox just fucked with them right from the start and aired this like crappy made-in-a-week episode first and It's said. always Fox. It was They doomed it from the start. Um, <laughs> but yeah, don't go back to the movie because the movie is a direct sequel to the show. So that was the show was brilliant, out of its time, or never had a time that it was going <laughs> to really take off because it's a sci-fi western. Right. And it got canceled. Fox kept monkeying with the time slot. And the fans became so devoted that they took out a page in the New York Times, like saying, save the show. 
And Joss Whedon, of course, you know, being the creator and the right. writer, was like pushing for it. So he got you know a sixty million dollar budget for the movie. Holy crap! So it got it got a good like send off. Yeah, I have to. I'll I will definitely have to. And that's something that comes up often too when I meet you know new geeky friends and they're like, oh, you know, what do you think of Firefly? I'm like, you know what? And then I get that same look that you just gave me. <laughs> the same look you just gave me thirty seconds ago. I, so, well, I'll, as you can tell with my Firefly shrine, I'm obviously yeah. really into Firefly. I can tell. Yeah, I think Tom, uh, Tom from our place of work came over to me too. He's like, he's got Firefly stuff. He's got Witcher stuff. Oh like, yeah, yeah. He's got <laughs> Did you say Witcher? <laughs> it's like, hands off, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I purposely totally glazed over the part where he mentioned Firefly stuff because he's one of the people I don't think ever asked me if I've seen Firefly and he thinks I'm pretty geeky. Well, so. you better hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it before then. <laughs> <laughs> ha! Eat that, Tom. I do know it. Yeah. <laughs> Brown coat. I came what? prepared. <laughs> you know what? Week and a half, right? <laughs> yeah, I could do it. There's only 13 episodes in a movie. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, what other? What What are your passions? Um, passions, man. That's geek, geek passions. Geek, geek passions. I am super into video games. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't tell already, um, which is kind of weird too, because I feel like whenever I tell people like, "Hey, I grew up in a third world country," because I'm from Haiti. Oh, we're gonna get into that. And yeah, then, we definitely want to talk about that. Okay, we're getting all yeah. the other shit out of the way. So when I when I tell them then, I'm like, I also love video games because I've been playing them since I was a kid. They're like, "But you came from a poor place. How did you?" <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how it happened. All right, I just I was exposed <laughs> to a lot of video games and nerd things when I was younger. And my dad is a gigantic Star Wars fan, and I've seen the movies over and over and over and over at this point and he had lots of action figures any star wars game that was out back at the time uh-huh. so all dark, of that dark forces and x-wing versus tie fighter yes and mm-hmm. all all of that kind of you know launched my whole geekhood so you're like running around haiti with a lightsaber yeah basically so <laughs> lightsaber my uh boba fett mask and backpack that i i colored green and tan to look like a jetpack <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm super into older video games, super into anything that's geeky. I like movies. And... All right, top, top three games. Whoa. Uh, that's man, that's, that's, all right, that, all right. that has, that top has... five, top five at this moment. I won't hold you to it. That's gotten extremely hard in recent times, honestly. It, re- it really does mm-hmm. because I'm, I love my retro stuff because I grew up with, you mm-hmm. know, Nintendo and Super Nintendo and I'm a, I'm a gigantic Nintendo fan. The the first game that dethroned all of my Nintendo games, believe it or not, was actually Mass Effect Two. I believe that, although so, <laughs> two, not one, not one. I no, played okay. I played Mass Effect One and I liked it. I'm like, this is a pretty damn great sci-fi game, and it came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it at all. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect Two because of the storytelling and the streamlinedness of it. Yes, and that's what I didn't like about it. Okay, I get and it. The, the well, the, the thing I liked about it was that each time you 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 recruited a new character, there was a whole branch of dialogue options and like mm-hmm. backstory to discover possible so, sex yep oh, yes yeah. possible <laughs> sex <laughs> but um commander shepherd but i i thought it was i thought that that game was amazing and to me that like set the bar for all other games so for a long time that's been my number one game okay so hot right there pause for a second so you finished you played three right yes so, I, i've beaten one through andromeda okay i haven't played andromeda because i'm still very angry about the end of three so was <laughs> shepherd indoctrinated you mean for the ending that I picked? What just what was your take on it? See, that's that's always really hard because there were there were like the three choices that you could pick, and then they came out with DLC that added like another choice where it, it, you made all life organic and synthetic, yeah. and then that was kind of like a unison where nobody was going to fight anymore, and I, that's the ending that I went with. But so. did you get the the breath of the, the coda the stinger? Did you do the extra work? 
I don't recall. If you do enough work, you had to like play an iPad game and do all this bullshit. I did not. You get this thing where he <laughs> takes a breath at the end. Okay. And it's like, well, no one could survive a space station crashing into Earth, so was that all in his head and he's still on the ground. If you go back, there's this whole thing called the indoctrination theory. And if you go back, there is a ton of deliberate evidence that he is under the sway of the machines. The entire third game. Wait. All the shadow people that he keeps seeing. You can't. You can't. You can't just change up the whole story that I've that I've <laughs> that I've believed this whole time. I'm not. I'm. I'm just telling you what's out there, man. What? That's Look crazy. Indoctrination theory. It's it's a thing. I firmly adhere to it. And Bioware just basically said, Nah. We put we laid all this stuff out to obviously be there, and we're just gonna be like, Nah, whatever. And they're not gonna. I hate when they don't give you a hard answer on something. Exactly. That pisses me off so much. <laughs> you, you put the evidence on there. You can't just be ambiguous about it. Give us a legit answer. So I, I love Mass Effect, but just like Star Wars, I hate Mass Effect. Yeah. You <laughs> love it, but you hate it. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. So so that dethroned Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. So that dethroned. Uh, and Mass Effect's my top five. So no no judgments. Okay. Good. <laughs> so for me, it would be probably Mass Effect two, and then right underneath that is The Witcher three. Okay. Because that is a game <laughs> that I got so absorbed into. And it was expansions. Uh, the expansions also. Yes, I did play Hearts of Stone, and I did play um, Blood, and Wine. Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine made it sublime. It, e- it took it to a place I didn't know games could go. See, to me, before Blood of Wine, it was it would before Blood and Wine, it was still right up yeah. there, oh, right yeah, beneath yeah, yeah. Mass Effect. Just because I played through, and this is the order that I played The Witcher in. Um, you know, for Xbox, they do like a games with gold thing mm-hmm. where they give you free games. So they gave it as a free game. Or the second game. Two. Okay, yes, yep. two. So, Which, like, by yeah. the way, was a massive jump up from one graphically. Well, so that's the thing. So I played two, and, you know, I, I hate to be the person that says it, but compared to other games, it's kind of janky. You know what I mean? Like, the story's great. The characters are great. For whatever reason, I had such a hard time wrapping my head around the combat and crafting oils and that kind of stuff. Okay, it, yeah. It, it, it was that. It's, it's it, not it, like it, a lot of other games. It was weird for me at first. I don't know if they just assumed that people knew that stuff from playing the first game. I don't know if it was... I, 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 no, no, no. So they changed the combat entirely. There were three different stances in one, and they got rid of all that. The thing about Witcher is the oils and the bombs. Like you, Any monster can pretty much kill you if you're not prepared. prepared. I'm kind of curious. Smike hasn't played him. Oh, I'm so, okay. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, you guys no, are on this level up, way up here, talking about... <laughs> This, these couple of games I, I actually have not played. So. Oh, man, you're missing Continue. out. Continue. I told go, you, he has go. different tastes. You guys do you. Different different. I can't wait to hear what his taste is, though. So Grinding. <laughs> you're still playing Diablo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, no Mike Sky. Uh, but, yeah, no, that was that was the thing for me. Like, I played all the games twice because mm-hmm. I was in ground level at one. Mm-hmm. So the funny thing about one, I don't know if I ever told you this, but this is how I, I fell in love with CD Projekt Red. They re- they, so they took... This massive fantasy epic that only people in Poland knew about, because it hadn't been translated yet, called The Witcher. And they made a game, and it kind of sucked. It was kind of broken and poorly translated, and, like, the graphics sucked. And then they said, you know what? We haven't made any money on this game, but we know there's a gem here. (laughs) We're going to spend a ton of extra money and release it for free to anyone who's bought it, the extended edition. Mm -hmm. Which is, everything has been enhanced. The dialogue was re-recorded, so they brought the actors back in. (laughs) And the game was legitimately a lot better. I don't. Hopefully, you've never played the original one. So it was broken. <laughs> believe it or not, I've actually never beaten the first game. Okay. So um, it's hard. It it is hard. It's a hard game. It's hard. Um. So when I when I got the the second one for free, mm-hmm. I I played through it and I I looked up like a quick synopsis of what the story was for the so first much, one to kind of like so much backstory. Though. Yes, to, to catch me up, and I'm like I can't even wrap my head around this. So I jumped right into the <laughs> second. I jumped right into the second game, and then the combat and the crafting kind of threw me off mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. was. 
not that it's even complicated, but I just feel like it's something you have to get used to at first. You gotta go around and catch, like, fine herbs and shit. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like, I want this. It's like, I legitimately need this, or this thing's gonna kick my ass. Right. So it was kind of weird to me at first, and I'm like, okay, so I kept playing it and playing it, and then I ended up starting to fall in love with the main character, Geralt. And I'm like, this is this this is a badass dude. And, you know, you're playing him and his badass character with his badassness, but then you kind of get to, like, make a few choices here and yeah, there. So yeah. it's like he's still his own character, but you don't really detract too much from his character. No, and but his, I, the supporting cast is really solid, too. Yeah, like, and then Tris you end up meeting Triss. Yeah, and, which is, there's a ton of backstory with that. Right, and then, yeah. you know, like, the, the and you go to different places, you meet different people, and you mm-hmm. feel like everybody has, like, this gigantic amount of backstory. And the game does a really great job of including it all in, like, a codex or, like, different books that you, you pick could, up. You could, yeah. Yeah, you could. And, and you could read, read I'd actually into read it. all the books. Oh, did you? Yeah, there's a shit ton of stuff. Oh, man. So, for, when you read the books, is it kind of like, does it follow any of the story of the game at all, or is it just... Well, the game is an unofficial sequel to the books. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so super bad move on the writer. He <laughs> said, these video games, they will never go anywhere. I did you, hear about that. Take Pay me my money up front. They will never go anywhere. That's my Polish. I don't think it's very good. Uh, <laughs> so, they gave him a lump sum and then had made it fucked ton of money on this yes. game and he's just bitter about it and you can tell so he, he always talks shit about the game and it's like dude you haven't played it yeah <laughs> it sold more books and he was like i do like that it sold more books so that's good. <laughs> uh, and he's still releasing like in between stories now which is like i right, do whatever but uh so what's really cool is playing the games first which most people like myself did and then mm-hmm. going back to read the books there's a ton of aha moments oh, where you're okay. like oh that's who yarpin is <laughs> and i'm like oh everyone keeps talking about you know so and so oh that's okay now and, yeah and i'm hoping that they get into some backstory about all the different wars that are going on too cuz they mentioned those things in the in the game a lot like the battle of sodden all that stuff is major plot points but yeah. so regis Take Regis, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is my favorite character of all time in the series, right? In Blood and Wine. Yeah. Uh, hugely important character for books upon books. And uh, they kind of just, like, threw him into Blood and Wine. I, mean, he was... I was so happy to see him. <laughs> so we... you already knew about him before you played the Blood and Wine then? No. Oh, you, you learned no, about him? No, I went back because... Oh, no, yeah, I did, I did kind of know about him. Okay. And I know he was in Blood and Wine. Mm-hmm. But... Okay. I, yeah. I hate to cut you guys off. <laughs> but I don't think anybody else was in this... Is this much into the Witcher games? <laughs> I can get carried this, away and talk about this forever. That is a fair. Even I fair. am like, oh, <laughs> look at the time. All right, so we've gotten to three, get two games, two games so Mass far. Effect so, two, so Mass Effect Witcher two, three. Witcher three. I right, just do top three. All right, and then last, honestly, is Super Mario World. Okay. I know, I know, as random wow. as that sound, no. I have. There my wife a, would agree with that. There is a special place in my heart for that game because I remember. That when I first played this game, I didn't mm. even know there was such a thing as a Super Nintendo. <laughs> wow. Okay, because I ha- we had a Nintendo mm-hmm. where I where, where I lived in Haiti, and we frequently came to the states, and we had a lot of family in Florida and Rochester, and so we went to <laughs> Florida and <laughs> yeah, exactly two totally right. unrelated places. Yeah, but um, most of my dad's family lives in Florida, and most of my mom lives in Rochester, so we came to visit my cousin in Florida, and she's got a weird purple and gray box sitting there with weird purple and gray controllers. I'm like, what's that? She's like, oh, it's a Super Nintendo. I'm like, what do you mean a Super they Nintendo? Made it like, super? I'm like, how could it get any better? <laughs> <laughs> These like, graphics will never go out of, out of style. Exactly. So I'm like a Super Nintendo. Explain that to me. She's like, well, it's, you know, there was a Nintendo and then this one came after it. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're telling me. And she's like, you've never played this? I'm like, no. So she's like, well, we got to go then. So we went to like this local 
locally owned game store that you could rent games from. You paid them a fee, then you oh, had yeah, yeah. you had this thing. It was like a library card, and you know you <laughs> took the game out of the cartridge, mm-hmm. and you rolled down your name and address and phone number, and then handed them the card and took the game for like a week. And so we got yeah. Super Mario World, and then she was super into sports and got I don't know some baseball game. I didn't really give a shit about. Um, <laughs> baseball doesn't exist where I come from. <laughs> we have soccer, and then that's it. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Then, you know, so it was Super Mario World that we brought back home. And as soon as I started playing it, I never wanted to stop. So that kind of has like a special place in my heart because it was like such a wow moment. I'm like, oh, my God, there's other systems out there that are better than the Nintendo. Because to me, like the Nintendo was everything. We had all the games for it. It was just, yeah, so it was like a huge revelation. (laughs) Um, So that's why that that will probably always be one of my favorite games of all time. Cool. It just brings me back to that time of like, wow, there's something better out there. (laughs) I don't think I ever... Never I, I always knew. I always knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. I would read Nintendo Power and stuff because I, I had access. I was in the states. So. Oh. Yeah, for somebody who's totally like removed from that world, it was like hmm. uh, a, a huge holy shit moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, basically. So yeah. But uh, what about you? What about your th- your top three games? What would you say? Witcher three, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Mass Effect. And Mass Effect. But it's series. We're talking series. Yeah, it's it's hard to pick between the series, but yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, it's it's tough. Um, I, I got to go with, I got to go with Portal Two. Portal, okay. Nice. okay. Portal Thinking 2. Man's oh, game. Portal, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're both are great. Um, Shadow of the Colossus has to be in there. I do love Shadow of the Colossus. Did you play the remastered yet? No. No. Ah, man. You know there are people mapping no. every still to this day, mapping every inch of that game. Yeah, it's <laughs> sad. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Not in the Last Guardian, Mike? Uh, oh my god! After waiting all those years for it to finally I be know, released, like, oh. <laughs> these controls are awful. I know. <laughs> um, I feel like there, there's that weird niche of Japanese developers who who are just always gonna keep doing exactly what they're doing. Like it worked for you know <laughs> PS1 and PS2, and then they just never get out of that phase. It's unfortunate, but something yeah. happens where when games are in development, they get into development hell, and then it's like they just get to a point where they just need to get it out, and then they just stop fixing stuff. Mass Effect like, Andromeda. Yeah, see, yeah. I've heard some bad stuff. That's why I never played it. So, what's your third then? Third is so, is so tough. Um, it's got to be No Man's Sky. I, I actually, I, I think I have to go back to to Borderlands. Oh no way! Borderlands Two. Okay, but yeah, Borderlands Two. Okay. Yeah, if you're gonna, I mean, you we yeah. talked a lot about Borderlands. Yeah, Borderlands Two, definitely, definitely. Yes. See, Border yeah. Borderlands for me, I like Borderlands, but I don't love it. I feel really, like me too. It was so funny. I I liked it. You know, I, I just. No, and you know what it is? I feel like if you don't play the game with friends, it feels like a very lonely game because it's you. Oh, I like that. It, it does, though. <laughs> no, you're right. I agree. You you're, know, you're you're out in like there's stuff to do, but it also kind of has this empty feeling. Yes, thing. I I agree. Yeah, and that's, but I still like it. I still I still love it. No, it's a great game. I love the humor. Claptrap is probably like one of the coolest characters anybody's ever come up with, yeah. and um, about, Handsome Jack. Yeah, Handsome Jack is also one of the coolest, uh, funniest one of the characters. Best villains ever. But yes. Me. But it's just, there's points in the game where, you know, going back to what you were saying, grinding, there's points in the game where if you're trying to get better weapons or if you're trying to get money, you're just running around these places that kind of feel like dead and empty and you're shooting things. See, look at Smike as you're saying that. You see that <laughs> string of saliva that's just hanging <laughs> That glimmer down, in his eye. That kind of, his eyes rolling back in his head. <laughs> yeah, that, no, you're I describing. Get it. I get it. I get it. But I still love the game. No, but I, I do like them. They're, they're pretty good games. All right. We got that. We got that. Uh, you've proven. I guess you can. You can stay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll have to fix that fly, firefly thing. But so <laughs> do that. So I'll, I'll I'll jump into this. Um, when most people think of Haiti, 
There's definitely got to be... Serpent and the Rainbow. Well, <laughs> all I know. Not that. Serpent on the Rainbow. What's that? What? <laughs> not familiar Serpent with... Serpent and the Rainbow? What's that? Serpent and the Rainbow? It's the oh Bill Pullman voodoo movie? No. Oh, oh wow. That's not... That's like cult classic. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's oh, not it's not cred. Does it have something watch, to do with Haiti, watch, I'm guessing? Yeah. Okay. Watch Firefly before that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but anyway, I, I, I think... I, I'm I'm kind of guessing this, but I mm-hmm. think there's a big, maybe misconception that people have that everybody from from Haiti's poor. First of all, well, that's <laughs> almost true. One <laughs> percent. Yeah, mostly everybody from Haiti is poor. Honestly, um, I was one of the lucky few where my parents had very good jobs. My dad owns his own printing and publishing company, so uh-huh. they do everything from like business cards, calendars. Books, magazines, the whole shebang. So He's the Haitian Vistaprint? It, basically, yeah. But not, I mean, there's other companies that do it, but his was one of the more well-known companies. <laughs> and it was Graphitech was his company that he started with one of his friends. Nice. So they made very good money doing that. Um, and my mom worked for a public section of the government that handled. So she, her and some of her colleagues were in charge of handling where money gets doled out to public facilities like public schools, public mm-hmm. kitchens, and things like that. So... We were fortunate enough to have a lot of things that other people didn't have. So Did but, that create resentment? The people around you? Or from the it, people around you? It, it did a little bit. It was kind of the thing where you kind of had to be careful who you who you let know how comfortable you are. Mm-hmm. Because it's that definitely that kind of country, you know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. And it was the kind of things where... If my dad would bring us, like, a new Nintendo game or, like, a new Game Boy game or, like, some new cool toy or something, and he'd be like, hey, maybe not. Don't <laughs> run and, like, tell all your friends at school because we don't want them to think, like, we're rich or we don't want their parents thinking that we're rich. Mm-hmm. Or we don't want, like, the word get- – not that we were rich, but we don't want the word getting out that, hey, we're comfortable because it's kind of like waving a flag saying, come rob me. Right. So yeah. <laughs> that's just the kind of place that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so but- did, did you did you grow, grow up in Port-au-Prince? I, so I grew, we grew up in a place that was just outside of Port-au-Prince, uh, Nice rural area, like literally right across my house. We had a we had a gigantic field where people brought like their donkeys and cows to graze mm-hmm. and their bulls and stuff like that. Um, Do you just bring a bull places? Yeah, I mean, yeah, P- people people did. There was it was just a gigantic field that. It just seems rife with you know potential danger. Uh, well, I mean, except for the one time that. <laughs> My brother and I actually did get chased by a bull <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, most of the animals that were grazing the you field You had like be... a redneck upbringing then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically. So, um, I get chased by a bull. <laughs> so, gigantic field for animals to graze across, right across from our house. Um, our friends lived right along the other side of the field. And I mean, it was never an issue. We would always just cross and go to their house instead of taking the long way around the field. So we would, there was a, uh, low enough, you know, like one of those horse fences around mm-hmm. the field and you could just jump over it. So yeah. we would cross it. And the one time we crossed it and, you know, me and my brother are talking, we're heading to our friend, um, Patrice, his, he, his house was right across and he was also well off. So he would get like the newer stuff before we did. And we'd oh. always have to like go see the newer movies and play the newer games. And so we could come back home to our parents and beg them to get it for us too. <laughs> so, um, I can't remember what he had just gotten at the time, some N64 game. And we're like, oh, we got to go play it. So jump the fence, we're walking and right when we have maybe a good 30 feet left to, you know, jump over the fence. And we heard this noise, and my brother's like, 
we got to go. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, there's a, one of the cows, one of the bulls, it's coming. So, you know, like, I mean, it was only like 30 feet and we jumped over the fence and literally stopped just short of the fence. But it was like one of those scary experiences. You got chased like, by a bull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it only, sounds fucking it was only t- 30 feet, but then it's one of those things where you look behind and you're like, I, I, I could have possibly died. I could have, yeah. So, you know, if you, if you're not Spanish and wearing a cape and having a bunch of swords, that's a very intimidating Yes, 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 it is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So after that day, we always, took the long way around because you never know what to expect out of that field <laughs> it wasn't the bull that got them ironically it yeah. was the pack of goats yeah. <laughs> yeah we didn't we didn't want to risk it again after that but um but yeah so we lived in one of the more rural areas that was just outside of port-au-prince uh, port-au-prince and it was maybe and you gotta think here this is haiti it's not like here where you have oh you know just take exit 16b here and then you're gonna <laughs> you know drive for five minutes and you're gonna be where you're going it's like back roads and no highways and there was very little paved road Mm. so for us to Hmm. leave our house and my dad's truck to actually get to port-au-prince it was like a good 45 minutes Hmm. of just of just like snaking through yeah every day so it was it was not fun and you got to think that's like in the sweltering 90 degree heat of haiti wow (laughs) yeah nice and humid you're selling you're selling this place so well It's kind of interesting because um, I and I told you this before. I actually visited Haiti when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, probably before you were <laughs> before you were born. It would <laughs> was have been it? like 1981. Okay, well I was I was 89, so I was yeah. born in 89. Oh, you had a weed <laughs> baby. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel old right now. Jeez. Uh, and it was really, I mean, it was like for 10 or 11 year old me, it was kind of a mind blowing experience. Um, I can't. I don't even know what the country looked like in the early 80s, honestly. It was, it was, it was disturbing. That was, that was Baby Doc, um, which, you know, not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that he's the one that started bringing the downfall of the, uh, the political system in the country, so. Yeah. And my, uh, my grand, my grandfather worked at the American Embassy mm-hmm. there. He was like an engineer or something. I don't, I don't know what he did. Mm-hmm. Engineering stuff. Um, and so I guess they were, I think they were staying in Port-au-Prince. I remember like looking out, it was like on up up very high and you could see all the houses down below that was that was kind of a neat view from up there yeah see i don't uh we didn't frequent port-au-prince that much because a lot of the schools and a lot of the places that we went to were like more outside of the city because hmm. around the time where i was growing up you didn't want to be in in the city for anything oh, really? unless you like you know work in one of the skyscrapers or big buildings or mm-hmm. something like that but other than that it was kind of a dangerous place to be lots of corners or who could jump out at you and Jeez. you know things like that so so i remember hearing stuff about like um like international schools where ambassadors or people who work from who were in Haiti from other countries would would have their kids go to school is that is that where you went to school no so i went to a catholic school one of the more uh, okay. well known catholic schools in Haiti um actually learned no english in school believe it or not <laughs> Most of my English came from movies and playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, oh my God. and people say video games don't teach you anything, right? That's awesome. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> between, between my brother and I, we would be playing... Um, I mean, you, so you'd think... I don't know if you've ever played any of the Super Nintendo RPGs, like the earlier Final Fantasies or anything like that. I have a Super Nintendo in the other room. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, so, and I have Final Fantasy three in the other room. So no actual spoken word. You're reading through You're text. Reading, yeah. And it was me and my brother like sitting there with a dictionary. If a word came up that we... What, what does this mean? So we'll have to like flip through it. It's like, oh, okay. So that's kind of how we figured out what to do. But that taught us both Sprite. so much English. Oh exactly. Yeah, well, those, those words weren't in the dictionary. Why can't but... I find Faraga? Yeah. <laughs> a freet? 
But um, I mean, not those kind of things, but you know, like just general. No, the basic conversational stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we. Which have of to... course is funny because it's like filtered through the the somewhat not naturalistic Japanese translation. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, you get like the same good. thing from like American kids who are like play the the Japanese import Final Fantasy games and you know want to learn Japanese that for that reason. Right. Yeah. But um. But yeah, so that's, did you learn some Japanese too? I actually not in Haiti, but when I came here, I took uh, some yeah. Japanese classes actually cool. just for that reason. Um, cool. <laughs> I wish I could have continued with them, but the teacher that was teaching at MCC went to RIT to teach the rest of the higher levels because it, it went level one and two for MCC, and there wasn't much interest after that. So level three and four, I think, were at RIT, and it was like a staggering amount of money. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to learn <laughs> so, Japanese. Yeah, There's was, YouTube channels that are free. You could go. Yeah, <laughs> so that's I, I kind of dropped out of it then. But um, but yeah, that's actually how I learned a lot of my English was not through school. Was more through like media, video games, and magazines, and movies, and so and books, and that wow. kind of stuff. Um, but we also came here to the states a lot to visit my mom's family, which is in Rochester here, and my dad's family, which live in Miami. <laughs> so I just I got a kid because when you said Rochester, you said it with a Rochester accent. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> I've been here for too long now. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I when we got, when we left Haiti and came here, I was eleven years old, and that was in two thousand. Mm-hmm. So you know, now eighteen years later, I've spent more than half of my life here. I feel like I'm more American than anything else, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but you still remember Haiti. Oh, of well. course, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, no, that okay. So that brings us to an interesting point. You're you're not actually uh, a citizen yet. No, I'm not a U.S. citizen yet. I did just get my green card last year. Believe it or not. So from How did two, you pull that out. <laughs> All right. So funny story. All right, we when... love funny stories. <laughs> We, I came to the States with my parents and my brother, and I was here under a visa that was valid for six years. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was, and, you know, my parents were thinking, okay, so before the six years is up, we'll renew your visa, and then you'll be here for another six years. No big deal. Um, so, to give you an example, I don't remember the exact dates, but to give you an example, let's say we got the visa in July of 2000. You would think that six years later, July of 2006, you'd have to renew it. But you had to renew it before the sixth year. Mm -hmm. So it was like before January 2006. December 2005 was like the date it was supposed to be renewed. Okay. And we let it lapse not knowing that information. So there was kind of a... That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Because the American government does not want you here overstaying your welcome Mm -hmm. at all. No excuses. So really? It I was... feel like it hasn't been in the news. In any <laughs> yeah, before, right? Really. <laughs> Never heard of that? Nope. No. Um, especially with kids. Yeah, they're <laughs> oh, they're they're pretty serious cool. about you not overstaying your welcome. So it was kind of a huge deal where it, we had to get an immigration lawyer and we had to go in front of an immigration judge and kind of explain to them that we did not do this on purpose. Right. And instead, so the penalty for overstaying your welcome is that they will take your visa away and then you have to leave the United States and then you cannot get reissued a, vi- a visa for another 10 years. Whoa. 10 years. Wow. So that's kind of <laughs> kind of a steep penalty. And um, so when they, I mean, so my, my, we had to tell the judge, you know, like, listen, our entire family is in the process of naturalizing and coming over here and being, you know, green card holders or citizens. How are you going to send the this kid back to Haiti, like with no, who's he going to stay with? What's, what's going to happen. Right. So his way of kind of imposing a penalty, that's kind of like, Hey, we're going to make an example out of this and you shouldn't do this again. Was 
we were on a waiting list and i don't know if you know anything about visa waiting lists they're atrocious that's why some mm-hmm. some people okay so there's different categories that you have to fit into to be able to get a green card okay number one easiest way to get one marriage. is through immediate family which in, includes marriage okay. so if mm-hmm. i marry someone they become my immediate family member okay. and i can get it through them um number two which is the second most popular is to do a visa waiting list. So you apply or not a, a green card waiting list. So you apply for a green card from your home country and then they say, okay, well, you are participant number 1,260,000, you know, that, that applied. So you're, they're going to have to process all of them ahead of you. When right. they get to you, then they'll process yours. Okay. And for a country like Haiti, that's extremely poor and a lot of people are trying to escape. They, the, the waiting list is very long. Sure. So, so they let they let you. So so I was already on the waiting list for it. Okay. And me and me and my entire family were on the wait, waiting list for it. So instead of them, you know, banishing me basically from the U.S. for ten years, they moved me all the way back at the end of the waiting list. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how uh, it took so long for me to finally get it. Gotcha. But I do have a green card now. I got it and last that was, year, and that was eleven years before that. That set you back like oh, ten or eleven years, basically. So that was like in wow. two thousand six. From two thousand six, I started at the beginning of the list, and I'm just getting it now. So that is a crazy waiting. List. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I can't even complain because that's better than me being banished for ten years. Because yeah, at least I was allowed yeah. to live here under a different type of visa that I had to keep renewing every two to three years. Okay. And every time I renewed it, it was another $1,500. It's not cheap. Uh. <laughs> so that's what allowed me to be here legally. Well, and gee, work I don't here see legally. why more people don't do this. Well, yeah. They're just coming over illegally. But, but that's the thing. That's the thing that bothers me a lot because I think a lot of people will just say, well, why don't you just get a green card? Yeah, let me just go over to my <laughs> local green card office and just purchase one. You know what I mean? It's Hey, Walgreens, <laughs> uh, you guys do green cards, any, right? Any extra green? That's what I'm saying. It's like, and a lot of people don't understand. The, the vending p- machine right there. Yeah, yeah right? Japan why has machines for everything. I'm sure they have like, here. But oh, wow. I don't think people understand how complicated no, and how tough the process is. And for some people, there is literally no way because... Once you put yourself on that list and you say, hey, I want a green card, once the time comes, you also have to prove to the U.S. government that you're able to support yourself financially. Mm -hmm. So they have a threshold of a certain amount of thousands of dollars you have to make a year to prove to them that you're not going to come here and be a public charge. Like, you're not going to be on welfare or something like that. Not only that, but from not counting all of the times I've had to renew my visa to be able to stay here and work here, but from start to finish... The process probably cost me around forty five hundred dollars, and that's not money that you can pay with a credit card. You have to do official <laughs> checks, so it's cash money that you have it from your account. So it's it's and when people when people you know like when people when I tell people I'm like oh I don't have a green card I'm kind of here under a special visa because under that special visa one of the circumstances was that you can't leave the United States and you have to you have to you have to reside here until you get your green card you can't just leave and come so back. You're just- Stuck. Yeah. Ex- so you ex- cannot ex- actually visit another country. Right I now? can now. Oh, okay. Now that I have the green you card, you haven't been able to visit another country for eleven years. No, I have you not. Canada, Canada, nope. No, and, and that's the thing that brought it up too, because a lot of my friends when they're like, "Hey, man, you know, it's my birthday. We're gonna go up to Canada. You know, go to enjoy, some strip club. Enjoy and, the Canadian ballet <laughs> yeah, around me." Exactly. And then I'm like, "Well, I can't go." And they're like, "Well, why not?" I'm like, "You know my situation. I don't have a green card. Well, just get one, man. How long is it gonna take?" <laughs> it's I'm not like, a passport. And that's what I'm very different. And I'm like, you can go to your office and apply for a passport and get it in like a month. This is not something I could do. I just have to sit here and wait until my time comes. This is why people, at least up until maybe a year ago, wanted to be American. Because when you're American, you're so pampered and you have no fucking clue how good you have. Exactly! That's how good life is. So, so yeah, so the, the notion that these these people who are trying to get out of whatever horrible situation they're in, in right. Honduras or Mexico or wherever, wherever the Philippines, they're, they're coming up here with 
like basically nothing. Yes. And then there, there's no way they are going to be able to get yeah. through a, a quote legitimate or, or legal nope. The o- um, the only path. way that they would be able to do that is if they find somebody to marry and then the person can prove to the U.S. government that they can support themselves and support this person from a third world country and not be on welfare. And I, I can't remember what the threshold was. It was like you had to be making a minimum of like $23,000 a year per person. Per person. Per person, yeah. So if it was like me and my brother and my sister and we were all applying together, it would be $23,000 for each of us that we would have to be making together total to show, hey, we can support ourselves and we're not going to end up on welfare and take resources from Americans. But Americans <laughs> who make way less than that, the government doesn't give two shits about it. No, and then the government gives them free money. So <laughs> so that's kind of how it works. And that's honestly why a lot of people will try to illegally come over here because mm-hmm. even if they wanted to do it legally, there's kind of like the steep wall you have to get over sure. financially. You know what I mean? Like... It's 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 not easy, and I can't even tell you how happy I am that the end is in sight for this. <laughs> so what? So now that you have the green card, like, are you? No. So now that I have the green card, I'm, I'll be. I'm honestly fine with. It. So the green card that they gave me was like a conditional green card for two years. If I, I if I get arrested or do okay. any kind of stupid thing to show that I'm not a person who is of good moral behavior. And I think that's good. You're going to have to edit so much yeah. stuff that you said earlier. No, it's just, just be, yeah. I want to give you a word of advice. Do not follow <laughs> the behavior of, of the president of our country <laughs> as a moral standard that you should operate by. And you know what? That is pretty great <laughs> advice. <laughs> just saying you would think, but don't don't. Right. But, but yeah, so that's, that's the word that they use. You have to be a person of good moral standing for them to say that, yes, you can apply to be an American. So I have this conditional green card for two years. So in twen- at the end of 2019, I can apply to have the conditions removed, and it'll be a permanent green card. How much do you have to pay for that? Um... I think it might be seven, eight hundred bucks. So it's yeah, it's not. I'm milking you uh, so I, bad for and, you. And, and the thing, and the thing is, my dad says this all the time. They should want the immigrants to come because they're milking us for so much it's money. Cheap. It's not cheap. Well, we do, and our, I mean, among other things, our our population is starting to kind of drop. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, the immigration is a fix for that. A very obvious. And and fine and excellent fix, but yeah, we're we're starting to shut more doors than we're even the ones the few that we're keeping open right now. Mm, yeah, are getting smaller and tighter and, getting, and smaller and shutting. Uh, yeah, I'll have to say that I'm definitely glad that my immigration process started when it did because now it's a lot harder. And we have a couple of friends that are family friends that are still in Haiti and they're trying to find a way to get here because uh, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you guys know about the earthquake that happened in Haiti mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. all over the news mm-hmm. um the country the country's been just going down the hill ever since then because there's more poor people now than ever and more crime more poor people means more crime right. you know what I mean so everybody's trying to leave the country but it's like by the time they get to you on that waiting list are you still even going to be able to come here with any money right. to prove that you can actually live here without going on welfare sure. so it's kind of like a vicious vicious circle yeah. it's yeah which I feel like is what some people in power probably want. Yeah. And Haiti particularly is like, it's one thing after another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like God's even punching the, bag. Yeah, exactly. The, the we have UN such bad luck. The UN supposed to be there to help you end up like poisoning everyone. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we, it's just like one bad thing after another. And um, so my mom for her job, she, she will come here and 
um, stay with. So my, my dad has a house in Greece and she will come here and stay in the house for maybe two or three months. But then most of the year she's back in Haiti doing her actual job okay. because she has to be there. And I mean, she's a workaholic and that was her choice. We'd prefer that she stays here, but it's like every week we talk to her, it's like this bad thing happened. This bad. Do you ever have any good news about Haiti? She's <laughs> like, no, not really. It sucks because so, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about this, but I I think Haiti's got kind of a cool history. I mean, yeah, the way I, it started as as a country, I mean, I that, we, that's we, kind of badass. I think we have the reputation <laughs> of being one of the first successful slave revolutions ever, mm-hmm. and um, which is pretty badass. But, yeah. Um, as far as Haiti's history goes, I'm not really too big on history. No. The short version is America keeps screwing you over. So. Yeah, basically. <laughs> TLDR. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, uh, looking back on it, that was that was a cool thing. But, you know, back when America was like, hey, we got our events and also we have slaves here. It's kind of not cool what's going on over there. <laughs> yeah. And I know that they shunned Haiti because of the whole, like, hey, they had a successful slave revolution. Let's not let our slaves exactly. get any ideas. We don't. Cut off all ties and association. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do remember us when we were living in Haiti, too. There were uh, many an embargo where we wouldn't be able to, like, trade with the U.S. on various different things. So, uh, Yep. Sorry. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, on the flip side, some of my, my most fond memories are in Haiti where me and my family would go to the beach all the time and you'd sit there and literally, like, the guys on the beach would climb the coconut tree and, you know, cut down a couple uh-huh, of coconuts uh-huh. and bring them over and cut them open with a machete for you or any of the lobster and crab that they literally just fish out of the water, throw them in a, mm-hmm. pot, a vat of boiling water, like, right off of their boat and crack them open and feed them to you. And, uh-huh. you know, that kind of stuff I loved. And there was a lot of natural beauty to the place, too, mm-hmm. but it's... I remember it's, that, too. I remember, like, going snorkeling somewhere and it was, like, the water was just... Like, tropical paradise. Yeah, yeah. It, it is pretty awesome when you go to those nicer parts of Haiti, but it's... Now it's not even worth it to live in the country. It's it's a good place to go visit if you know where you're going and if you go to the safer areas. Right, but to actually right. live there, it's not really a good idea. So it's a shame because it's a, it's a place that's like full of natural beauty, but it's it's too dangerous. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I think I won't be visiting anytime soon. Yeah, not anytime soon at least. We'll see if things end up turning around at some point, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep America out for a while. Yeah, right? <laughs> just yeah, embargo that's... America. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're good. Yeah. Stick. Go back. You. Yeah. Go over there and do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, go fuck up someone else's country. You're very good at it, guys. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> In fact, focus on your own. You're doing a great job. Uh, Sean Penn, you can say for a while, but everybody else goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn loves Haiti. <laughs> Stephen Colbert, too, right? Like, he's been to Haiti a bunch of times. Or not Colbert, um, Conan O'Brien. Confuse them all the time. He's been oh, to Haiti. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, been yeah. to Haiti a bunch of times, and uh, he apparently loves the country and, and quite frequently goes there and does a bunch of charity and stuff like that. So, hmm. yeah, we'll keep him. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Penn and Conan O'Brien, you're allowed. Yeah. Everyone else is out. <laughs> Everyone else get out. <laughs> so, oh, if you don't mind me asking, what is your take on the country right now? On Haiti? No, on America. On America? <sighs> Having this outsider's view and coming in. You know. I, <laughs> so I, I really, the only political news I get currently is when I go over my dad's house and he's livid about something and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> which is probably all the time. Yeah. yeah so it's basically like, what constant. did he do now? When I say he, you know exactly yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. Then he'll go off the and, orange monkey. yeah, exactly. But he'll go <laughs> off and on some rant about some crazy thing that Trump's done. 
And that any other time in history would sound like crazy, like, like, like made up, but exactly. Yeah. But it's like, literally, Dad, you're, stop making things up. And that's what, in my reaction, most of the 90% of the time I talk to my dad about politics, is he'll tell me something that happened, and I'm like, Are you serious? And then I proceed to Google it to make sure he's not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually found him being full of shit much? No, that's that's what I, he, he, he does his research. He's not the kind of person who just sees something on the news, he'll see it on the news, and then he'll go and like read about, read like, about it in different places different, and kind of like put all the sources only together. Everyone else would. <laughs> Do that. I know that's oh that's my God. yeah that's well the, no because you could still do the Fox News Infowars Breitbart circuit and have the same yeah. shit that you're seeing everywhere reinforced uh, so yeah but he he's definitely the type of person who hates talking out of his ass and he'll actually like if he sees something he, he's a very skeptical person and he'll go and do the research himself until he can kind of form his own opinion so that's really where I get most of my news from and my <laughs> my dad is yeah. yeah my dad is very sensitive to anything that has to do with immigration and sure. all that kind of stuff and you could. You obviously, you know his stance on on the whole thing, and it's just, yeah, it's just not been good. And, and, and specifically because Trump's been making it very hard for a lot of his friends and people that he grew up with in Haiti, he's mm. making it very difficult for them to be able to find a life over here. So mm. it's he's not very happy with uh, the way things are being huh. run right now. Yeah, especially the 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 DACA the Dreamer kids who are like, I mean, these these kids are basically American. Yeah, exactly, I mean, they, they grew up in America. It's it, it was as American as anyone. It was basically like you had to be younger than a certain age, and you had to have been in the United States since 2007. So people who are super young, who most likely will never really be tied to any kind of terrorism or anything like that, and you you don't want to let them stay. Why? You know what I mean? Right. It's just they're kids. Just I don't know. Be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And then I know they always talk about you know the whole immigrants are taking you know American jobs and that kind of thing too. But I think. There was there there were a few things I looked at that talked about how much value immigrants add to the American economy, uh, yeah. and it was like a staggering amount of money where it's actually yeah. a plus to have more immigrants come over than to actually cut off everyone. I don't so it just doesn't make any sense to me. But that's the thing is there's no rationality in these decisions. No, there isn't. It's, it's just it's hate mongering and fear mongering and a plan, you know, stirring a. a, a you know, I was thinking about this today, a basket of deplorables, which was actually a largely correct. Uh, assignment of, of a label, uh, maybe not entirely, you know, but, but they get the mark in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's uh, and and it's, that's the base that continues to be appealed to with these horrible decisions. Yeah, just one dick move after the next, basically. <laughs> it's it's I just I'm, it's fascinating, as horrifying it is as, as it is, and I, I go in ways where I, I like really get into the news and have to know everything that's going on, and then I have to put it aside for a week. I'm like, yeah, I can't. That's kind of where I'm so at depressed. Now. I, yeah. I, I, I was following every... I, I still keep looking, but I, I try not to. I've let Google start to tell me the big stuff, yeah. but I, I, it's almost become a fascinating, like, I want to see how many plates of shit he can spin before <laughs> it all... And I love the thought of Stormy Daniels somehow being the linchpin yeah. that brings it all down. The feather that breaks the horse's back. <laughs> Just that, uh. that last piece. And now that Cohen, as of this morning, looks like he's flipping. I mean, it, but uh, how many times are you like, oh, yeah, clearly it's going to turn around, and it fucking doesn't. Yeah. I, I hate to speculate on that, especially the, the investigations. I don't want to... I don't want to get my hopes up or anything. <laughs> I just wanted somebody to wake me up and say, he's in jail. And then, yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just waiting for that call. Yeah. Uh, I do have a theory. I'm starting to have this theory that Mueller is prolonging his, his investigation so that he can drop significant news just before the midterm elections. 
Oh, that'd be a so good goal in his ratings. he can really undermine Trump without actually going after him outright in his investigation. That, that would be a smart that's, move. That's what I'm starting to think is going on. I don't know. Because he keeps asking for delays on things, and it don't it isn't clear exactly why. And I feel like if he just basically pulls a Comey in the opposite direction <laughs> and just drops the shit right at the right moment. Yeah, but the thing that's funny is too is like you look at all of the trouble that's like brewing around Trump right now. Any other president would have already been impeached. I oh, yeah. I don't, Five times over. I don't understand how he can get away with some of the shit that he does. Because for all of his idiocracy, he is very adept at like grandstanding in shit like he he does very well with like distracting and he certainly he he has a certain like conductor's ability to have different shit shows going on that distract from whatever he's doing i mean i guess i guess he is talented in some aspect then because that's like it's like in all the ways you don't you're giving them too much credit it's it's the people it's the base it's the there is definitely that it's the whatever percentage of the republican voters that are still fiercely loyal to him well and And, the sellout politicians and because the the other the politicians the the senators and the the house members uh, representatives are terrified that if they Go against him, they will be primaried out. Yeah, or that's that's really as simple. as Or they've got Nunez and just are full on like I embrace the crazy awfulness. There's also there's that too. Sure, yeah, that's that's crazy to me. It's come from the people. It is. We we brought we let a demagogue into the house. Yeah, we're getting kind of what we deserve. Although Russia helps, you know. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's end up something positive. Good point. Too, too depressing. So E three. So have you seen any of the Death Stranding trailers? You know what? I still cannot understand. <laughs> what like, is, is it is it a delivery service? Am I playing as a delivery person? <laughs> so Mike so made. I had I had somehow not seen any of these trailers. Mm-hmm. I saw a two second bit of gameplay and thought it was just like a walking simulator of a guy with how much shit can like a like a uh, Katamari Damacy. Game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was what so, I thought it was. It's like they showed a, a quick cut of him like carrying a box and. Next thing is carrying like a full body in a bag. Right, right, right. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. That escalated very quickly. I need to understand what's going on here. But in true Hideo Kojima fashion, you won't understand anything until you play the game. And even then, you might not you understand, understand all of it. it. Yeah, I mean, how and much? And then it... he like hooks a baby up to a radar dish, and and then sh- the ghosts show up. Yeah, yeah but but the, like, what? The, the baby is the baby inside him? Is the baby outside of him? It, I, he, it's I, in his throat. So apparently, I was reading today. If you go back and watch all the trailers, which I now need to do, because it sounds every one of them is as batshit insane. insane they as they are, but he has the baby in his throat at one point. Yeah, but then also he has it on a sack on the outside, right, and he's but like he can umbilical it to him. But yeah, there were people trying to figure out like what sounded like crazy theories, and I was like, "This is clearly joking." And I was like, "Oh wait, no, this no, actually yeah. aligns perfectly with the trailer." <laughs> when, when it comes to Hideo Kojima, you anything is possible because <laughs> even like having beat. Beat, I beat every single Metal Gear Solid game, and there's still parts of the story I have a hard time wrapping my brain around. Yeah. And it's the kind of game where after you beat it, you're like, I need to go watch a YouTube video on somebody who's smarter than me right, right, to explain this out. to me. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. Then, and then the person is trying to explain it to you, but then they're talking about all these points that are unclear, so they really don't even understand it. They're so, just interpreting. <laughs> exactly. They're just saying it may be this, it may be this. I need answers. I need something concrete. Mm. I don't think he deals in concrete. I don't he, think him so and David, Hideo Kojima and like David Lynch hang out. Yeah, basically. They have a club. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Twin Snakes Club. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really excited about that. I've become obsessed with it since last and night. That's so a, and that's. Go after yourself. Smart. And then Lindsay Wagner shows up at the end and like. Okay. Yeah. No, and it's like it's supposed to be a big deal. I assume she's the baby grown up. That's my. Theory. I don't know. I don't. 
I don't even want to pretend like I understand anything I'm except... Gonna, I want to watch somebody play it. I will yes. get it. And you and Mel and Erica can all sit around and we'll, yeah, okay. I'll play it. Well, you can all watch me play it. The one, the one thing that they kind of showed off in the trailer that made any sense was... So those invisible monster things, when they touch you, they accelerate time. And they were, and, and it was walking on the ground, and plants were blooming and dying. And dying, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah. like whatever they yeah, touch, yeah, yeah. it accelerates your timeline until you basically die instantly. So I don't know if you ever saw the one trailer where they had. Um, I've only seen the newest one. Okay, so in one of the trailers, one of the characters gets detected by one of the invisible monsters, and the guy gets grabbed, and he immediately like it's like somebody's yeah. sucking the life out of him, and gets. Uh, and I'm like, what the hell's happening? So I'm glad that they, they kind of at least explained that. But as far as like what they are, where they come from, are they aliens, what's with the weird shit in the sky, and there's, like, weird ghost people attached to things. Yeah, are they yeah. all on umbilical cords? Yeah, so, yeah. so I don't... And then the voice, when he's in that warehouse, the voice, the, whoever he's talking to says, yeah, you'll come, if they get you, you'll come back. Yeah! But there'll be right. a crater there. Yes! Right, 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 right. <laughs> Explain! I did not understand what that meant at all. So, I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty crazy, but... Honestly, the the game that I'm the most excited about is is Cyberpunk uh, yeah. for obvious yeah. reasons. Yeah. I mean, CD Projekt Red. Anytime they announce anything, <laughs> I'll be so on board. And from hearing the little bits from people that they, I guess they had like a behind closed doors demo. Oh really? And yeah, they did. And from hearing what what people say, it's gonna be totally yeah unlike The Witcher. At mm-hmm. so it's gonna be a first person, fully immersive cyberpunk world where you're like installing upgrades and you're getting. You're switching out your limbs for cybernetic things. So it's funny because what you're describing sounds a lot like Deus Ex, but I it, and, and that's, the sense that it's to be a very different kind of and game. And that's what a lot of people compared it to, but they said, unlike Deus Ex, there's so much character and just mm-hmm. a little bit. And as soon as they said it, I'm like, well, of course there is. It's CD Projekt Red. What do you expect? You know, if you played The Witcher, you'd already know that. But they were talking about how seamless the conversations were. And it's not like you walk up to someone and then a cutscene starts where, like, the camera zooms out of your body. It's like the conversations are happening as you're in the person's head playing the game, and everything is super seamless, That's cool. and I can't wait for it. Yeah, and you could... Huge, sprawling city. You can drive a badass, future, retro-looking car through the yeah. city. I don't know. I'm it's so like, excited for it. It's like sort it. of... Part Knight Rider, exactly. part like Mustang GT. Yeah. yeah. But that's like that's right up my alley. I love that stuff, so I can't wait for that. That was probably the biggest announcement for me at E3. Well, not an announcement, but the biggest thing that they showed off. I'm really excited for Beyond Good and Evil 2. Oh, yes. If that, if that, you have no idea what this is going to be like. Yeah, <laughs> and I do agree with Yahtzee in the show me gameplay. Like, don't just do cutscenes. Yeah, they do. Really they, they, they've had a lot of tech demos so far. Yep. <laughs> and like conceptual <laughs> things. Yep. Yeah. Which all look intriguing, but it's... But you can make anything look intriguing and, right. and still be a shitty game. And they keep talking about how there's going to be some type of multiplayer aspect to it. And I'm thinking, like, with Beyond Good and Evil, one was such a single-player game. You just ran you... around taking pictures, man. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. So I don't know how I feel about this whole multiplayer thing that they're trying to throw in. But I think Ubisoft is behind it. And naturally, they have to, like, make everything multiplayer because that's what sells today, I guess. Ubisoft is very obnoxious in that way. They're like EA. Yes. Yeah. They, they had, yeah. It's like, it, it, oh, this is a single player adventure. How can we make it sure. multi? How can, yeah. <laughs> How can we make people want to buy things with this game? <laughs> buy DLC packs. That, that all sounds like a great idea. Question microtransactions. Yes. Where, where <laughs> do they fit into this? Let me craft It's not if, right? It's how are we going to introduce them? How are we going to cram that in? Can we charge a subscription on top of making them pay for the game? <laughs> I'm just saying, think outside the box and think in my wallet. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but yeah super excited. A lot of good stuff coming out, man. It's like uh, right now I'm playing the game of 
what do I actually want to buy? Because I have this bad habit of buying every single game I want oh, yeah, at full that. price, and then a couple of months later, yeah, they're, 20, wait they're $20, while. and yeah. then I still have them shrink-wrapped on my shelf that I paid, you know, the full $64, including tax. I'm like, why did I do Why do I do this? I have a problem. But I see it, I like it, I go out and buy it, and it sits on my shelf, and I stare at it until it's $20, and then I eventually get around to playing it. So <laughs> I've been... It's a weird cycle that you... I, <laughs> at least you've identified your problem. I do know that I have a problem, yeah, and I'm, I'm, work, I'm working on it. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, when you're in high school, you only have to worry about homework and playing video games. Now I'm an actual adult with adult <laughs> things to do. So it's... Wait till you uh, have a kid. <sighs> then, uh, yeah, then that, that, just, that time I mean, space. I'm in a relationship and that's taken up most of my free time right now, too, because it's, you know, my girlfriend has a gigantic Italian family and it's like <laughs> every week we're going over this person's house, this person's house. And then, like, I'm like, so where does Lloyd get Lloyd time? <laughs> what Lloyd time? Maybe there's only so much pasta I can eat. I know. <laughs> I'm Italian. I can say it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's uh it, it's it's tough deciding on on exactly what to get. But I'll I'll have to talk to my friends and see what they're gonna get. You know, like something like God of War. I had to get it right when it came out because my friends have really big mouths and they'll spoil it for me. So I'm like, I need to play this yeah. alongside you guys because I don't want to get spoiled. Yeah, so that's, well, that's kind of how I decide. <laughs> it's funny that it's like. Uh... Like Last of Us. Oh yeah, I know? yeah. That's that. That's another one I kind of had to get. But right it, when that it came weird parallel too. of like the father child, father like, son dynamic, thing. Yeah, yeah. or not son, but father daughter dynamic. Yeah. But yeah, that that works out really well for God of War. You got to play it. It's pretty great. I, I have a. I have a very. I've had a. <laughs> what do you have against Norse mythology? Well, okay. I played the first God of War. It's not the same. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I have so little free time now. Nah. Like I'm very involved as a husband. I'm very involved as a father. I keep up on the house stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I, I write and I do this, this takes up, you know, five, six hours, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've come up with this incredibly complicated formula to justify a game. So it has to be like, it has to hit at least the movie theater ratio of $10. Uh, what is it? $10 for two hours right? Uh, mm-hmm. for a movie. So I have to get at least five times the value because the cost, Cost is five times. <laughs> no, I, I feel yeah. But then I, it also has to hit an average of like above eighty on most like Metacritic. Metacritic. That kind of thing. <laughs> to and make it I worth also need to know at least one person who can vouch for it. Like it's like basically it's as hard as getting a, a green card. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> getting getting on my docket to play you know, this video game. <laughs> so the my ones time that, is that restricted. So the ones that do actually make it are like you need to play this. Right. <laughs> so, so, but like I played The Witcher 3 twice. So just to give you an idea. Like, when it's but, that good, you know. But that's worth it though. Yeah. So uh, do you have fun? Yeah, I, li- I liked it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Good. We are Buddies in Space. You are? That's Michael Smith and you are. And Michael Grassi. And joining us tonight was? Lloyd Martin. You didn't want to... Let's spice that up. Let's spice that up. Give a flavor. Lloyd, uh, I'm what from Haiti, Martin. I don't... I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd Haitian Martin. The Haitian sensation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Nailed nice. it. Believe it or not, I actually have a shirt that says that on it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I do believe it. Take it away, Melanie. Buddies in Space is a Stolen Dress entertainment production. Visit StolenDress.com to check out other Stolen Dress podcasts, blogs, tweets, videos, and books. Nothing's gonna happen. I was yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is he gonna push a button and there's music? No, it's post production. Uh, yeah, but I've started. So I started looking up when I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a clip of a, a little coworker who recorded like a kind of phone. Her, her, her take on the phone sex operator version of reading our produ- producer stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just started to look up 
uh, without realizing it. But then, like, I started, when we have a guest, they would start looking up, too. Like, so now I just do it <laughs> deliberately to see if anyone's going to be like, so that's why, But I was, like, staring at this. I'm like, is something going to happen? <laughs> but if you say it in the right way, like, there's something that's going to happen, you, you'll catch someone for a little while with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun, honestly. I, I loved it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck Death Stranding's about, but I'm going to play it. Yeah, already decided no, I, that. I, I definitely <laughs> would like to. That, I feel like it's going to haunt my dreams. And that's how Hideo Kojima gets your attention, too. They'll, they'll give you just enough trailer to confuse the shit out of you, where you're like, I need to find out what happens, or I'm going to go insane. And that makes you buy the game. <laughs> but that's it, legit. It, it works. That's legit. So, so just to really vouch for Horizon really quick. So, so Horizon Zero Dawn is set in the future, like post-apocalyptic, post-post-apocalyptic future. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, clearly something went really fucking bad, but I don't know what. They didn't give that away in any other trailers, because I remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, there's buildings, there's futuristic Robot. dinosaur-looking things. Well, obviously things that are very advanced technologically, but everyone lives in primitive. Um, and so to get to, from the beginning of the game, as a little girl, to figuring out what happened, and you get that whole, like, it's done in just perfect fucking pacing so they give you just enough and you're and you can and they give you time to ruminate about it too Mm -hmm. that's what's brilliant so you're not like dying to get to the next thing because you're bored Mm -hmm. you're like i think i have i have an idea and then they'll give you they'll jump a few paces and give you a different part of the story Mm -hmm. but if you're patient then it'll all make sense so it's sort of a usual suspects thing oh man That that sounds really good. Yeah, I've had that. I've had that on my list for a while, and I just haven't gotten to it. And I, the game is really fun. So, like, the reason it bumped The Witcher for me was because Horizon's combat is way more perfect than The Witcher. The oh, Witcher's yeah. combat has gotten worse over time. You think so? Yeah, man. The three different stances for groups and stuff. One had the best combat of all of them. The collision detection's janky. It's not perfect. I, I can't. I like the combat in three better than two. The okay, first, two is the first. The first one, I'm I'm sad to say, I didn't really give that much of a that, chance that's okay. because I went back and I watched like this long YouTube clip that somebody put together of a lot of cutscenes in the game and a bunch of the story well, the graphics stuff. Are terrible. They are. I yeah. could I couldn't even believe. What Although I was at seeing. the time I'm, it was pretty crazy, right? But like when you're when you play the second one and then that's such a massive jump, yeah. Yeah, and even from the second one to the third one too, it's like such a huge jump. But the the combat in two, I felt I, I felt to me like that was janky. I felt like the collision and that was weird. But when they first showed off the combat for the third one in the E3, and I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, so it's a little bit faster. That's I could deal with that. But when I actually played it, it just felt so much better than the second one to me. So remember you said that. Because when you go to Horizon and you've got a three-story tall like uh, T-Rex-ish thing that's trying to blow you up with lasers, and you're running and jumping off a, a rock, and then you slow down time and you load up three fire arrows launch it, and then you knock off its fucking laser cannon and pick that it up sounds so and shoot epic. it in the goddamn mouth and blow it up. <laughs> and you're like... And then, just for good measure, if you knock it out, you go over and you jab it in the, in the head for a critical hit. And it's all, like, seamless. And you're switching between, like, 20 different types of ammo, and it, it's all... It's so perfectly done on the control scheme. Like, going back to The Witcher, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sword. Sword. Dodge. Sword. Sword. Like, oh, no, there's a monster. Silver sword. <laughs> <laughs> Two. One. Okay. Oh, wait. Is that is that a dog? I still don't know which one I'm supposed to be for. 